The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Clay Patton in for Susan Littlefield as she travels to the Commodity Classic. We'll hear from her later on in the week. Talking the trade with us today is Troy Nielsen of Smart Yield. Troy, thanks for being on. As we take a look here, let's start in the closing grain markets. And let's start on the positive side. Let's try to keep our, our looking up. And that is soybeans ending in the green today. What do you see behind this trade going into today? Yeah, Clay, I think the, the soybeans we've had, uh, it goes right back to the trade negotiations, in my opinion. Um, and what we saw take place, um, it w- was really pot Friday. Um, they, they, they agreed to meet on Saturday. They agreed to meet on Sunday. And so I think both sides are very committed to coming up with some trade agreements. <clears throat> and so that's really positive. That definitely supported the soybean market today. Um, so, but there was a drag on the soybean market, and that's the wheat. The wheat was down, um, U.S. dollars up overall. We'll talk about that just a little bit more. But with the, with the wheat being down strong, um, March, uh, Chicago down 20 cents. Even in that new crop, Kansas City, you're down 15 and three quarters on the close today. So really big sell-offs again, which is a continuation of what we saw in that wheat market last week. And so I think that was a drag on the corn. Um, now soybeans kind of stood on their own with some solid news coming out of those negotiations. And that's why we held on to some positive on that, on the soybeans. We were up a half on that nearby March and just barely, um, you know, fractionally higher on the rest of those months clear out to the new crop November. Now, looking also a positive news for soybeans going into this week, getting some data out. That is, we had some pretty good soybean inspections for export last week. Give us a little bit more information. Yeah, Clay, the uh, weekly export sales for the last six weeks came in at 6.5 million tons for the current marketing year, uh, 378,000 for the next marketing year for a total of 6.9 million tons. As of February 14th, cumulative soybean sales were at 72% of the USDA forecast for the 18-19 current marketing year. Um, the average for the five-year at that same point is 87% versus that 72 that we're at currently. So we're behind as far as the marketing year is concerned. But in in recent weeks, we've seen some solid exports. And I think that's because uh, we're simply seeing some trade negotiations come together. Also, um, you know, as our as our soybeans have, have kind of stayed down in this lower $9 teachers region, um, we've become fairly competitive to the world, as, you know, also. Uh, so I think our... our, our Soybeans have kind of stood on their own with some fundamentals. Exports have come on strong, but we are behind as far as the marketing year is concerned. That doesn't mean we can't do some catching up pretty quick. Troy, as we take a look, China again back in the U.S. market for soybeans. We're glad to see that it's helping to try and ease some on this balance sheet with a large carryout. But there's been that rumor coming around the trade world that China's putting part of these beans back into the reserves. Is there any way for us to tell if these beans are going into reserves or how that could impact future buys from China? Yeah, that's really a secondary question, Clay. Um, and I don't think we know that answer, that's for sure. But there's um, a little bit of a concern that maybe some of these beans that they're buying are simply going to go in, some of it go into the reserves um, in China. That And that, that could really put a damper on 
um, further purchases from us down the road. Um, but it depends on the commitment and the trade agreements that get put together as well. So, uh, and, and we're really not for sure what they have in their reserves as far as soybeans or corn is concerned. But I, I think that's also a big question mark out there right now on both of those commodities. Um, again, then on, on, on the, on the soy, or yeah, excuse me, on, on the soybeans, um, you know, we do see some, some positive news as all, as well, kind of on the short term. Um, and the, you know, the 5% surge in the China stock market, that kind of confirms that both sides are, are working towards a deal, in my opinion. And so that would be nothing but positive moves moving forward. Again, we've been waiting for this for a few months. So to say that something's going to get put together really soon, we don't know that. It might be months, weeks, might be this week. So we don't know. But um, I think the fund buying, um, once we see that, that will spark some fund buying in our commodities. And we sh- should see some pretty good surges once that takes place. Switching now from soybeans, let's go over to the grain that had the most struggles on the day. That was both Chicago and Kansas City wheat, both taking some fairly large double-digit losses on the day. Troy, did we see some momentum sellers start to step into this market and really feed the bears as the day went on? Yeah, I think so. I think we've seen that um, in this wheat market. And I'm just looking at, as far as numbers that I'm talking about, we're talking uh, March um, Chicago wheat. Last week, at one point, we were as high as um, in the 520 region. We went home today in the 460s, 466, that is. So it's been a tremendous sell-off here for the last five, six trading sessions. And some of that, I think, we you know, we have to compete in the world. And two things that are taking place, and um, we're in the top third of our price range on the U.S. dollar for the year. Uh, the dollar has moved up. I know it set back a little bit here last week, but we're still pretty high in the dollar. That does not help us compete in the world. The other um, side is the Ukraine and Russia wheat is trending lower, and they're both um, at cheaper values than we are right now in trending as they're trending lower. So I don't think that you see the funds behind that at this point. We've had a tremendous sell-off. Now, technically, we're starting to get pretty oversold in that wheat market, and so when we do, I think the selling can slow down, and, and I would anticipate that sometime this week. And typically, once you see that, um, if you can probe in here and find some lows, you'll see a pretty good corrective action typically off of a move like that. So I wouldn't doubt if we'd see some pretty good bounce back here in this weed. I definitely would not want to be short weed at this point um, because of the sell-off and the oversold conditions of that market. Again, we're talking with Troy Nielsen of Smart Yield here on the Fontenelle Final Bell. Coming up, we're going to be talking marketing strategies as well as some cash trade. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Again, Clay Patton in for Susan Littlefield. We're talking the trade today with Troy Nielsen of Smart Yield. Troy, thanks again for being on. In our last segment, we talked more about the trends, the factors that are influencing our commodity markets, what's happening in the grains with wheat-sharp losses today, soybeans being able to stay in the green. Now let's switch, switch gears and flip over to the very important subject of the cash marketing, marketing options and strategies where guys might want to be looking at. And Troy, where I want to start here is in the corn market. This is a market we haven't seen real volatile swings in here over the past couple months, and it's one guys probably are going to be thinking about maybe moving some some cash grain out of the bins. Maybe it'd be for cash flow reasons. But what's your take right now on the uh, cash corn market? 
Yeah, Clay, um, we we have seen some basis improvement here in the last couple of weeks in central Nebraska, and <clears throat> that basis improvement um, has not come unnoticed. Our, most of our producers are on top of that and, and ready to take advantage. What we really haven't had is the other side to it. The futures market has been really range-bound here now since the first of the year, and that's one thing that everybody's been waiting for, um, along with that better basis that we're finally starting to see push our direction. So uh, with that in mind, um, future's not really breaking out of here right now. What guys are going to run into here, we're going to be March 1st here next week. Um, it, they're going to need to start getting some of that corn moved to town and, and, and clean out bins before um, too long so they can be ready for spring work. Um, plus, it wouldn't hurt with some cash flow. Um, <clears throat> a guy can give up ownership of that corn. Uh, go ahead and lock in some uh, really decent basis with some futures, and you can still have some re-ownership back on the board, in my opinion, with less risk um, than owning those bin, those, those bushels in the bin because you have 100% downside risk in that factor, or in that case. So there's some things guys can do to turn those bushels um, at this point into cash um, and still keep some upside out there. I think that that would be wise to keep upside, um, whether it's through May or July, um, I would get out there um, and, and re-own those bushels as I'm doing that. Troy, now looking out in terms of a hedging or a risk management perspective, that December contract, we've seen it peak its head up above $4 today. We're closing just two cents below that, around that three ninety eight level. Is this something for guys to be kind of aware of right now? Is this a time to be thinking about those marketing options for next year's crop, even though really a lot of them, not sure maybe their total acreage or how much they're going to have in the ground, but they know they're going to have some? I think that this is the time that guys need to be um, you know, getting a, getting a marketing plan, a risk management plan put together. Uh, even if you just do that on a you know, spreadsheet or a notebook there at home, or if you get with a professional, that's what we do as well. Um, we'd be glad to work with guys on that. But um, with corn setting, like you said, that $4 futures, we were a little bit, couple cents above it, a couple cents below it. We've been hovering right there on that $4 futures here for most of this uh, calendar year so far. Um, and, and, and it's still February. There's a lot of time opportunity in front of us. But what happens typically is guys get really busy. They're in the field. And that's sometimes when your better marketing opportunities take place. Um, so you have to have a plan, and it has to be in writing and be ready to execute that plan to get something done. Um, I don't think that we're setting in too bad of a shape. I could build a fundamental um, case that um, even if we have uh, trend line yield and a couple more million acres of corn this year, I think we could still see uh, our stocks to use pull down um, from where we were at a year ago. And if stocks to use pull down, they don't have to get real tight for us to get a nice rally up in this corn market. And the guy could get fully marketed and hedged hedged up in that market and reduce a lot of price risk, lock up some profit. Um, so our, we do have a strong encouragement to, for guys to get out there and get a marketing plan put together at this time, Clay. Troy, we've focused quite a bit here on the grains as we have just a little bit left here of the Fontenelle final bell. Let's switch gears quickly and talk briefly about livestock. Again, we're seeing this live cattle lean hog spread start to open up. From a technical perspective, do you think when it could be a time when we'd see that spread open up kind of to its max? There's a seasonal tendency that we see coming, and that and that could very well expose that spread. And what I'm looking at is the seasonal tendency should come to fruition here about the that first week of March is when that t- typically what comes to fruition. 
And, and we're kind of building in that direction now. I wouldn't be surprised within the next week to 10 days, we could see that spread start to move the other direction. If we do see on the feeder cattle, by the way, feeders have been in a, a somewhat of a sideways choppy range as well. That March is hovering around that mid-142 range and has been above that, has been a little bit below that since the first of the year. If you look in the live cattle, though, there's a little bit different picture building, and it's, it's a very seasonal move that we're seeing in, in live cattle. Live cattle have been trending higher since about the middle of last November, this, this last November. We've seen higher highs. We've seen higher lows. We continue that pattern at this time, and seasonally, we don't typically top that market out till the first part of March. Sometimes it's mid-March, but that's still, I think we're very seasonal in this cattle market. I think we'll see that to come to fruition as well here in the next two to three weeks. Again, we've been talking with Troy Nielsen of Smart Yield. If you'd like to talk to Troy more, visit his website, mysmartyield.com. Thank you to all the Fontenelle dealers for their support of the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.